0: Welcome to Loose Cannon, the Civil Liberties podcast. I'm Jonathan Gadir and I'm here with columnist from the SMH and the Age, Parnell McGuinness. Hi, Parnell.
1: Hi, lovely to be here again.
0: And uh, today it's comedy, commentary, free speech and defamation with Charles Firth of The Chaser and his lawyer, Michael Bradley of Mark Law. Shall we start with you introducing your your, your fellow Sydney Uni uh, comedian?
1: Well, yes, yeah, sure. So Charles and I knew one another a bit at university. That was back when he invented the Chaser, and uh, you know, and and I got to have a think about what's satire and what isn't. <laughs> no, but it was lots of fun. Um, as I was um, thinking about earlier today, if if anybody ever found there's some some footage somewhere on the ABC cutting room floor I imagine of me running around in a bikini to Benny Hill music thanks to Charles um so thanks Charles thanks for coming that is is an uh,
2: extremely defamatory way of introducing me (laughs) but but, so much I I, like like I don't necessarily deny that that's true I don't I, I do not recall it being true but um Still, you know, like well,
1: you you went on to much better and much brighter things, and certainly I went away for a few years, and I remember coming back and thinking, "Wow, this chase of things really gotten funny."
0: And uh, with you uh, at your suggestion, Charles is um, lawyer Michael Bradley. Hi, Michael.
2: Hi. Yeah. Now, I am not. He is not my lawyer, and I think saying that is defamatory towards both of us. Oh, okay. (laughs) You
0: just know him. He's not your lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so what, what, why did you, Charles, decide? Why did you recommend Michael for this conversation?
2: Because he's hilarious. Ah, well, that's <laughs> and a good also reason. no, and also because he's done some very important work uh, in recent months, uh, representing Joe Dye. Am, am I correct in saying that? Um, yeah. Uh, in in the Christian Porter case, there was a sort of side case uh, that Michael uh, represented, and um, and that's how I first came to know michael was was through
0: that link okay so charles you came to the council for civil liberties meeting um oh, a couple of months ago and, and you had some concerns and some requests about well your concerns are about the number of lawsuits that are filed against entertainers and comedians and you you were sort of wondering whether there was something in the way of um, a legal defence fund, I think, that we should Mm. think about setting up. Because tell me a little bit about why you are worried and what made you come and give that spiel to the New South Wales Council for Civil Liberties?
2: Well, it was in the wake of the Friendly Geordies uh, case where the Deputy Premier here in New South Wales uh, sued this sort of YouTube comedian um, for defamation, based on a video which was essentially quite a sort of well-researched um, piece alleging certain allegations of corruption against the deputy premier. And we just saw this is such a sort of outrageous piece of abuse of the law to get a politician to silence somebody. Um, and then we, too, ha- have had several legal threats, um, some more serious than others in the last few months. And we just got the sense that um, the government and the the Liberal Party in particular, the, the coalition, has sort of fallen in love with uh, suing people as a way to shut them up. Like, um, there's all these people who, and let's face it, all these politicians have something which we don't have, which is parliamentary privilege. They have a complete right to say whatever they like about any of us. They could accuse us all of heinous crimes and fraud and corruption. And we, we would be powerless to do anything about it. And yet the moment, you know, some comedian sort of makes a political comment about the deputy premier of our state, then suddenly he finds himself with hundreds of thousands of dollars' worth of legal bills. And and what our experience, we went through a little bit of a trouble earlier in the year, made us realise was how isolated we felt in that moment. That, you know, I mean, another, sorry, example I just remembered is Shane Bazzi, who's this unemployed guy. You might know him from Twitter. He's quite prominent on Twitter. He tweeted something about Peter Dutton, some, you know, fairly, slanderous but not like you know <laughs> like it was just a he's bloody tweet wasn't it yeah. sorry
1: he called him a rape apologist i think it was yeah that's right Dutton's, he said sh- she said in the yeah. brittanys case and
2: yeah and he's being sued like he's being sued. and the, and the thing that this sort of attack makes you do is first of all you've got to have thousands of dollars initially just to get good legal advice and then it just made us feel really isolated and we didn't we didn't actually end up responding to some of these um threats in a particularly sophisticated manner because it became became an exercise in in risk mitigation like if you if you feel isolated and acting alone you don't act with power like you know you don't go oh yes we'll take on the world we'll fight justice and and we'll fight for political free speech in this country we should be allowed to make large comments about um, our, our political leaders. We go, actually, we can't afford to to spend the next 18 months embroiled in this thing. And that's what they're counting on. They're counting on just this little sort of bit here, bit there, bit there that chips away at the desire to comment on politicians. And I, and I would actually trace the beginning of this obsession that, the Murdoch media and the Liberal Party and the National Party have uh, with suing people all the time, I would trace it back to Chris Kenny because when um, Andrew Hansen on one of the Chaser shows accused Chris Kenny of being a dog fucker um, and it was clearly a joke and then Chris Kenny sued for defamation What happened was there was a sort of process inside the ABC, which I wasn't party to at all. I was not in any way involved in this lawsuit. So I I don't actually know what went on because everyone was made to sign these confidentiality clauses at the end. But my read just from the outside was, um, you know, at some point when, you know, all my chaser friends seemed fairly confident that (laughs) they had it in the bag that, Calling somebody a dog fucker is not particularly defamatory because it's just so clearly a joke that instead what happened was the ABC folded, Chris Kenny got a little bit of a payoff. You know, I don't know how much it was, but, you know, presumably a nice car or, you know, start of a deposit on a house or something like that. And everyone around him, all his mates, looked around and went, oh, that's a good grift, isn't it? You just... <laughs> you, you, you just sue these people, they'll fold, and and yeah. you go on your way. And 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 so it ha- it has both a chilling effect politically, but also it's this sort of horrible um, sense of privilege and entitlement that we're not allowed to comment on people who we absolutely should have the right to comment on in any way that we
3: want.
0: And uh, so you were thinking, well, what can we do um, and... Maybe if we get together, we have some kind of collective fund or something that we can draw on. Is that mm. basically? Yeah. So, my and look, I don't, I'm not
2: a lawyer. I, I don't know whether this is a good strategy, but my thought had been instead of like, I think Friendy Geordie's raised like a million dollars or something for his legal defense fund. So, it's, there's certainly people willing to support um, the side of people def- wanting to def- defend their rights to free speech out there. But, and I think Shane Bezzy, raised over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but instead of that being a sort of enterprise where you know once you get got get sued you've then got to do this whole elaborate thing to sort of go to the next point actually having a collective pool of money where you go no let's collectivize this legal defense fund let's make it so that there's a single port of call so anyone who tweets on social media or um you know puts out a post and gets threatened by these bullies, these bullies who are in power can come to a one-stop shop and we've got a legal defence fund there and there can be a coordinated effort back against these bullies to sort of go, no, no, we'll all be sharing information, we'll all have the same lawyer and you you better watch out because actually, you know, I mean, since 1991, Australia has apparently had some sort of, level of implied right of political speech and the problem like it is outrageous that these politicians are getting away with it and at some point even though they're all 70 year olds who are white and male but one of these judges one day are gonna say no no enough is enough and it'll end up going all the way to the high court one of these cases and um and that costs a lot of money but actually you know it is too outright, there is too much abuse of the defamation laws now that um, it, we've got to draw a line and just say, no, nah, we are not, we are defending everything, we are not folding, we're not apologising,
0: we get to say what we want to say. Michael Bradley, you have any take on what Charles has just said in regards to, you know, defending against this sort of thing?
3: Yeah, well, I agree with I agree with everything Charles said, um, and um, I mean, yeah, to take the um, um, Andrew Lamming example. Um, yeah, Lamming peppered the landscape with defamation threats by his lawyer um, to yeah, basically anyone who'd um, repeated the, the allegation that he was an upskirter, um, and we um, we were approached by a few of the recipients of those threats, and and we and our advice to them was to tell Lanning to fuck off, and um, which we did in writing um, in longer terms, um, and that was the end of that. Um, but we're well, good
0: at uh, I, we don't usually write letters like that are short like fuck off. We usually Do a few paragraphs, don't we? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well,
3: yeah, it's important to um, justify our our training, but yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, most people, you know, apologised, and some paid money, Um, and um, you know, and the, the 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 nub of the the issue was. Lamming's Lemming's assertion that he wasn't an upskirter because the woman was wearing shorts, and that was the point of distinction, that he said, you know, made it defamatory. Now, um, he is, um, uh, it, it, you know, he is suing. Um, but uh, um, if there was ever a less meritorious defamation plaintiff than Andrew Lamming, uh, I don't know um, who that would be um but uh, um but yeah it's kind of you know emblematic of of the problem that um it, um you know that the, the law is supporting that kind of intimidatory approach and yeah and as charles said you know if you're the if you're the poor punter on the end of a threat um <clears throat> then it is an expensive and An intimidating business to you know to have to go and get legal advice to work out um, what to do about it and the simplest thing to do is to take down the post apologize you know maybe pay a couple of thousand dollars it's still going to be cheaper than paying your own lawyer Um, definitely less risk than being sued Um, and that's you know but, of course, you know, that has a continuously compounding effect of, of silencing and chilling the um, the landscape, um, not just for satirists, but for, you know, anyone wanting to, wanting to make comment on matters of public interest. The fact that so many of our politicians are now suing for defamation so much of the time says a lot about, you know, what the environment now is. I mean, no politician should ever consider suing for defamation in my view and they shouldn't be able to
0: you yeah, know charles you said something about half the cabinet what, what was that figure you you said
2: yeah i was trying to find out where i got that figure from i think a lawyer told me but um yeah, so it's probably untrue
3: <laughs> it's completely untrue
2: yeah yeah <laughs> no okay um, <laughs> if you go good. through if you go go through it there are a lot of them who are but it's not necessarily the cabinet it's actually there's also out of ministry like it's actually the sort of front bench that are – because in the inner cabinet, um, a lot of them presumably don't have time. Like Josh Frydenberg, Um, you know, he hasn't launched a suit against anyone. Neither has Scott Morrison. What are they doing? They're dragging their feet. <laughs> Maybe they're busy. I don't know. Um, so I don't think Scott Morrison is very busy. He's, he isn't. <laughs> I suppose he's got some cubby houses to build,
0: so – Yeah. Uh, Parnell, you wanted to ask a few things I know um, you mentioned earlier about uh, other cases, Aston and so on.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And it seems to me that there are sort of two questions here. Number one, should politicians be able to sue for defamation, which I think is an interesting question in in its own right? And then number two, should people be suing satirists and comedians for defamation? And I think that they're almost two separate questions, really, because um, as you say, Charles, politicians have a certain platform and frankly also a certain position where arguably they put themselves up and should be able to take the criticism that comes to them. Um, on the other hand, though, if you take this into the private sphere for a second, you know, and I'm talking now like private business sphere, there's the case of Joe Aston, the columnist, the rear window columnist of the Australian Financial Review, who was sued by... Elaine Stead, a venture capitalist, um, whom he had accused of not being very bright, essentially, of making very bad investments and and generally called her a feminist cretin and made other things, which in the context of the articles many people found very, very funny. In fact, many people see Jo Aston as much as as a satirist as a business columnist. When it got to court, um, the judge seemed to, well, seemed to find Aston very funny but eventually decided on the basis, I'm reading between the lines here, but decided on the basis of where he was publishing that he was writing opinion in the newspaper, which had to be based on fact, and so they found, therefore found that the targeted campaign was unjustifiable. So it seems that the outcome in that case was based on what the category of of media was, whether it was satire or whether it was news or opinion, um, which some of these sort of satirists now are crossing over between. I wondered if you two, if you, Michael and Charles, had any thoughts on on when things start crossing lines like that, how that should be dealt with by individuals who are who feel that they've been defamed?
2: Well, first of all, uh, just to answer that first point, which I agree with Michael, which is I, I think once you have public office, you're right and you have things like parliamentary privilege. you should it should just be completely impossible for you to sue anyone. Like it should just be you are you're a paid public figure, you're allowed to say whatever you like anyone should be allowed to say what they like about you. I think it's absurd. And uh, yeah, um, so because it, it, it's you just at a simple power analysis, you hold so much more power than anyone you could sue. O- on the other um thing, I I would be strongly opposed to satirists being granted the same privileges as politicians or something. <laughs> I think I think that's a recipe. I, like I don't know why, but it just instinctively makes me go, no, that 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 that's, I mean, like, I don't think anyone should sue us, but I also don't think that um we should sort of go, oh, let's venerate those satirists. They'll know how to handle that power. Um <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, like, isn't the point that, you know, we just, we need serious law reform here about what is fair game. Like, the right. type of stuff that you can say in and it's interesting that you say, Oh, there's this sort of you know, we think of satire in Australia here as sort of, I suppose, news parody in a way, you know, like it's a very limited understanding of what satire is. Whereas, um, like I've been working with one of the founders of Gawker recently about setting something up in the US, and her, her thinking of what satire is is more sort of what Gawker was like, which was a sort of yeah, Joe Aston-style rough-and-ready gossip column based on facts but sort of that slung, sling mud around, but it's not, not in any way a parody. It's, it's, that's what they would call satirical writing and sort of, you know, private eye style, let's deal with the world and write intelligently and entertainingly about it. And, And so I think coming up with sort of, you know, distinct categories and oh you're allowed to like i think the more you write laws about who's allowed to comment and who's not allowed to comment the the further into shit you're going to get because that's just going to be used against you like eventually it'll be people who control those rules that are going to end up you know making it so that i don't know like suddenly sky news will be a satire network and they'll be able to um say anything about anyone or something i don't know actually they already are a satire network. What right about?
1: but i mean you know on the other hand sort of you know to, to take the chris kenny example so he's not a politician um can you say anything about somebody just because they're a public figure and then where does that line get drawn
2: Oh, I see. So is there a special privilege for something that is clearly a joke and that everyone realises is a joke? Yeah. But I think that that's not, I don't, I'm don't. not even sure that's a problem, particularly with our defamation laws. I think that was singularly a problem with the fact that the ABC was being pressured by the government, and although no one will ever admit that, that there was some sort of communication where the Libs were saying, um, you know what? settle this case, get it off the table, you won't get hassled about it in Senate estimates. And the ABC did what their editorial charter of independence would never actually allow them to admit to, which is that they folded because there was pressure from above. So, I mean, I think, like, um, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, our defamation laws should definitely allow you to say that Chris Kenny is a, a dog fucker because it's so clearly untrue. And it is ridiculous that that can even go past the first step of suing somebody. It should just be immediately thrown out. That said, um, I'm not some sort of uh, uh, like. I think it, I think it's silly to sort of go. Well, anyone can say anything about everyone all the time, without uh, like, I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe I do believe that. I don't know, but Michael. Don't know. What do you reckon? Well,
3: yeah. there's no question. Chris Kenny had no case that because he wasn't defamed because you know the test for defamation is would what you published about him be likely to make ordinary reasonable people think less of him well no i mean you know it's even Chris his Kennedy son was-
2: even his son
3: wrote that <laughs> yeah i mean he you know he's obviously a self-satirizing person so it's difficult to to get around <laughs> that but um but there's you know but the fact that it was self-evidently um a joke would have been an adequate defense our defamation law doesn't have a defense of satire but what it does say is if there's if there's no defamation if you are not defamed by what's being published then you don't have a case and and you can't be defamed if it has no effect on anyone
0: in the last few episodes we talked about how australia is an outlier on a few things um in the civil liberties area what is this very different from how defamation is done in other com- comparable countries?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are, we are the most plaintiff-friendly defamation jurisdiction in the world. That's you know it's trite to say it, but it, it is actually true. Except maybe uh, Singapore.
2: Surely, Singapore isn't 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 what is happening very comparable to the way Singapore works, which is that they sue their political rivals and commentators into silence.
3: Well, it's a very specific context there i mean if, if you are a member of Lee Kuan news family or or the singapore government then yes um i think likon new i think had a 100% success track record in defamation suits um and yes it was you know well known that that uh, they used defamation there as a as a political weapon against um their opponents but that's a i mean that's a corrupted system um it doesn't really tell us much about what should happen in a real democracy. Um, but, but, yeah, we, no, we th- there is no sort of um, direct comparison to the situation here. Um, the new um, public interest defence, which has just come in um, in most of the states in Australia, we are hoping will make a difference um, for... Certain types of journalism um, won't help satire, but uh, but investigative journalism will hopefully be assisted by that new defence um, if it works the way it should. We'll, we'll have to wait and see how that goes.
0: The friendly Geordie's thing. Uh, do you think they, someone from, from? Do you think he could come on and talk about it, or is that would that be a stupid request to make? Like, are they able to talk about the case? Because that's a it's a criminal thing, right? The police are investigating him for being a fixated person or something.
3: Hmm. Yeah, well, it's a bit of a side. I mean, it's his producer who's been yeah um, was being arrested by the fixated person squad. That's a pretty weird and um, concerning development. He's,
2: he's a comedy terrorist.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that that whole category is yeah. one I have a huge problem with. I mean, whoever the cops <laughs> decide is, I mean, fixated. What does that mean? That just means shit crazy. It's like, how do you disprove that? How are you, the cops have decided you're fixated? No, no, but it
2: not fixated? It, wasn't it part of the counter-terrorism? Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. it was. Yes, so it's not. Yeah, it it's was. not about stalkers. It's about um, if police. I mean, wasn't it originally set up to allow police police to be racist and racistly impose powers against people of Arabic descent?
3: Isn't that? Well, that was one one view. I mean, it, it was it was ostensibly brought in to give the police, well, to, to create a particular. I mean, there's no law attached to it. It's just a squad, but the idea was that um, they would they would target people who who are you know obsessive about something um, and dangerous, but you know, sort of outside the reach of the counterterrorism squad. Um, and um, and you know, supposedly they've had great success. Um, they've arrested over a hundred people in the last couple of years, and seized a lot of weapons, and presumably stopped a lot of threats before they became realised. Um,
2: well, in fairness, Friendly Journeys producer was a threat to John Barilaro's career. So you know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah I mean, it's, you know, it is clearly and and, and it's clearly a gross misuse of police power, um, and if, if, if it was done at Barilaro's behest, then that's a disgrace on his account and the police. But who knows? Uh, but in terms of the defamation case, well, you know, <laughs> Friendly Geordie is, is more than a satirist. He is, um, you know, he, he's making political commentary. He's doing investigative journalism. He's a serious media player. Um, and he called Barilaro corrupt and he presented his evidence um, in support of that allegation. Um, That's pretty serious stuff and I think it goes way outside satire. Certainly a lot of his content is satirical and, you know, he he says a lot of rude things about Barilaro and others, some of which are not funny and some of which some people find funny, but... um, you know, some of that qualifies as satire, but there's a very serious, you know, allegation at the bottom of that. Um, but uh, clearly, you know, clearly he's got under Barilaro skin, skinned. Um, he's using defamation law in part to try and shut Friendly Geordies up, but he's probably chosen the wrong target because Friendly Geordies' fundraising capacity is almost limitless.
1: I just wanted to ask about the friendly Jordy's case because I agree with what you said that essentially what he's doing is presenting an investigation as satire, um, and there's a lot of sort of a type of humour which I don't know. Well, I, I think it's sort of school school kid humour, I'd kind of call it. But I also it it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. the the space that he sits in, that it seems to me that he does skate with between insult and genuine investigation and claims. Um, And while I wouldn't go so far as to defend Barilaro or lay my hand in the fire for him, there is a lot about friendly Geordies that seems to me to veer into the bullying territory. And this is what I was getting to before about defamation law in Australia is widely acknowledged to be problematic and, and unsatisfactory. The um, the fixated person's law is obviously complete overreach in a situation like this. But it does feel like what, what Barilaro was trying to express is, I feel bullied. Now, It might not be advisable for a grown man and a politician to go out there and say, I feel like I'm being bullied by this commentator, but perhaps should we have some kind of a law like that? Is is the defamation system in need of a bit of a tune, a fine tune, so that people can express this is how I feel I'm being treated here? In some cases, genuinely would have bullying undertones, maybe not this one, but maybe something else
3: yeah well, um I mean I agree with, I, I share your concern about friendly Geordie's in that um, you know if if you're going to do serious journalism, then you, know, you have to be kind of serious about it. Um, and yeah he is trying to keep his foot into sort of you know pools at the same time as a knockabout um, um, satirist, uh, and a and a serious player, um, and that's okay. He can do that, but um, but you know he he should treat himself as subject to the same sort of you know ethical obligations that any serious media organisation does. There there are responsibilities that go with having an audience like that, that of that size.
2: One thing that is interesting about the Friendly Geordie's case is that. Possibly the institutions that we grew up in where, you know, we went through the ABC very early on in our career and had to work with proper editorial policies and processes, even though we were doing comedy. Um, And even just having the mentorship of people around us sort of, um, you know, perhaps moderating some of our more radical instincts in that space. Um is probably not a bad thing and and the fact that you know those sorts of institutions that help people with their craft have all crumbled and been disrupted and and people literally are self- publishing stuff and getting re- really large platforms without any sort of institutional backing that that might go some of the way to explain why there's these sorts of... You know Friendly Geordie's style, shoot from the hip, um, sort of moments in the media thing, yeah, because they're right. young guys,
0: right? They're very, very yeah. really young, yeah. yeah,
2: um, and um, but one of the things that we've done recently, just in the last year, is we've set up a, a sister site to the chaser called The Shot, um, which is exactly, um, what uh, you know, which is exactly the sort of more re- well researched, you know commentary, opinion stuff, and it was based on the recognition that actually, you know, they are two separate forms and that, you know, it's still entertaining writing, it's still funny and stuff like that. But if we want to um, be able to actually say potent, powerful things, um, we actually have to back it up with research, we have to take it seriously. And, you know, I've been on lots of phones all day to lawyers sort of legaling the latest piece that's about to go out. Like um, it's just, you know, yeah, it's just about stepping up and and taking the responsibility that um, you have to take when you're actually levelling that sort of, you know, well-researched opinion um, into into the public sphere. And I I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for democracy that people who are commenting with a powerful platform should have some level of craft and integrity and and factual basis for for their commentary
0: all right guys thanks very much appreciate it really good discussion and uh you know i guess uh, we'll put the details for the chaser and the shot yeah the shot in our show notes uh, but only if you cross promote our you know initiative yeah. sure yeah <laughs> all four <laughs> episodes of it and um <laughs> and i'll say uh, that's all for today's loose cannon thanks for listening subscribe and tell your friends and uh, see you all
1: next time